This United Pentecostal Church is the greatest thing on this earth. And I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Let me hasten to the word of the Lord and be very respectful of the time in lieu of the next speaker that I respect. Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 18. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18. Thank you to all of my friends that are in this audience tonight that are so kind. I appreciate our friendship and value it so much. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That does something to me. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. The Christmas story is laden with powerful metaphors, examples, and far-reaching dynamic truths. Mary is one of my biblical heroes, and I shall preach about her tonight. Joseph, also a tremendous hero, a man who was willing to marry her and never be a part of the miracle. And never actually be a part of the miraculous work that God was doing. I want to preach tonight to you with the help of the Holy Ghost on this thought. The stigma of the supernatural. The stigma of the supernatural. I tell you, we are in such an electrifying moment. There is an awesomeness in this house right now. There's a nearness of God that is absolutely fearful. I believe God wants to do some dynamic things. And everybody said, let it be done in Jesus' name. God bless you, and you may be seated. 
it is my sincere feeling that this meeting is emphasizing, re-emphasizing, exposing and exaggerating some of the very same features over and over and over again. And isn't that usually the way it is that because of the time or conventions where God speaks to the church? We're going to hear it again tonight. We've already heard it, but I cannot change my direction at this point. Our posture and position as the ransomed, redeemed, revival church is the foundation for our preaching and our reaching. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press and I reach. The weakness in our press and the restriction in our reach may be relegated to the past. Not only is it the foundation for our preaching, it is the foundation of our celebration. A while ago when the glory of the Lord swept through this house, it was only right and proper that we should give God that praise and the liberty that we enjoy. Because we've come to because of the times to celebrate spiritual liberation. Spiritual liberation. There is a big marquee down the coast of North Carolina along the highway that borders an Air Force base where the jets come in, they, the rockets come near the highway, and they swoop down to the runway. There's a warning sign there for the traffic that comes by, and that sign simply says, Pardon the noise. It's the sounds of freedom. It's a warning to those that come by not to be distracted by the sound of those jets as they come in because those sounds are the sounds of freedom. We've come tonight to lift our voices and make a noise, and the noise is the sound of freedom. If there's anything we need in the 90s, it's a liberated pulpit. It's a liberated preacher. It's a liberated church. And why should we not shout tonight? Our past is pardoned. I said our past is pardoned. Our past is pardoned. Our present is powerful. Our future is promised. There needs to come a shout of celebration out of this auditorium. Unto the God of glory that's liberated our souls. Praise his name. Before you sit down, turn around to somebody and say, you're not lacking anything. You're not inadequate. You're not insufficient. Because the Bible said we are complete. We are complete. You've got everything you need to shake your city. 
You've got everything you need to inaugurate an apostolic revival. You are complete in Him. Now, this is what I'm feeling that is going to be ministered tonight and in other services and has already started. Because of the times, 97 is destined to be a place of healing, delivering, and loosing of the hearts, the minds, and the hands of God's harvesters. God has gathered his harvesters together in Alexandria, Louisiana to heal you, to deliver you, to loose you, to minister to you so you can leave here and minister for him. The yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. Cords are fixing to snap. Fetters are fixing to be broken. Chains are going to be loosed. It's time to be liberated. Your restrictions are going to be released. I said your restrictions are going to be released. Your limitations are going to be loose. anointing that's going to do it not somebody's hand something's fixing to come down and you're going to feel it set you free free to smile again free to dance again free to shout again free to love again Somebody shout yes. You may be seated. Scripture states that Joseph's feet were hurt with fetters until the time that the word came. There are folks that have come to this meeting with their feet in fetters. But somewhere between the opening of this meeting and its conclusion, the word is going to come to you. And the king is going to loose you. And he's going to let you go free. I, with your help, and the help of the Holy Ghost, want to attack. I've come to attack something tonight. I want to attack by the word, by the spirit. By the name and by the blood, what I feel to be a fetter, a shackle, and a chain that's tormenting, honing, and torturing, terrorizing good apostolic saints of God. The scripture identifies the devil as the prince and the power of the air. That's going to be deep. You're going to have to fasten your seatbelt for this revelation. You know what air is? 
nothing. The devil is the prince and the power of the air. He is the prince and the power of nothing. You give him too much power. You give him too much glory. You give him too much praise. He's a prince of nothing. A prince is an heir. He's an heir of nothing. He's not going to inherit anything. And his power is nothing. However, I will change the coin to the other side for a moment. And say he is the prince and the power of the air. Hot air. of accusations hot air he's the author of the assailing assaults he is the accuser of the brethren the devil is the accuser Jesus is the excuser what the devil accuses you of Jesus will excuse you of We're not here to deal with trivial issues. We're not here to tickle ears and pat backs. We're here for something dynamic to happen in the Holy Ghost that will revolutionize your life. You'll revolutionize your church. That'll revolutionize your community. That will revolutionize your state. That will revolutionize North America. That will revolutionize the world. I'd like to address the stronghold of the adversary that is in many lives and ministries in the 90s. I want to come against that, which is harassing harvesters. We don't need our harvesters harassed. I come against that. That is mentally molesting the ministries. I come against that. That is playing mind games with men of God. For the Bible said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Before I get through, I want somebody to reach up, grab that stronghold, pull it down in your life.
mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And I believe verse 5 identifies that stronghold. Casting down imaginations. The stronghold of the devil in the life of the ministry and ministers' wives is evil imagination. Your church is not going to split. Your marriage is not going to divorce. You're not going to start that building and not be able to finish it. You're not going to backslide. You're not going to go in debt for more than you can pay. That's an evil imagination. I pull that stronghold down. I pull that stronghold down. I plead the name over it. I plead the blood over it. I plead the word over it. It's a tormenting evil imagination. stronghold is an evil imagination but now I want to carry it another step farther and this is where I need the help of the, of the church the stronghold is also an ancestral curse it is an ancestral curse which I will explain that tracks trails dogs torments terrorizes good people I'm preaching about folks that do not have James Kilgore for a father preaching about folks that do not have G.A. Mangan for a father Preaching about folks that didn't have Winfred Black for a father. I'm zeroing in on a part of our ministry that has been paranoid, paralyzed, non-productive, and unprogressive. And the devil uses an ancestral curse. Because you come out of poor families, bad heritages. Rotten roots. Sorry, tradition. And every morning you wake up, the devil takes that and uses it against you, trying to cause you to doubt, to be in distress, to be discontented, to be filled with fear, and even to be jealous. The curse comes from your unsaved family. From your unsaved relatives. And the Bible said, Hath not Christ said that a man's enemies shall be they 
of his own household. But you see, you got a miracle. And your family has a problem with that. It's a mental torment that makes you feel like I'm destined, predetermined to be restricted, to be limited, or victimized by my past. And all you can think of is your family's history of disease, your family's history of disaster, your family's history of divorce, your family's history of defeat. And maybe even be as bad as Elvis Presley. Who doomed his own life by declaring he would die all his life. At the same age his mother would die. Which he did. Because of an ancestral curse. Something that whispers to you every day. My daddy failed. And I'll fall. My mother failed. And I'll fall. My pastor failed. And I'll fall. My pastor compromised. And I'll compromise. I come against that ancestral curse tonight. Young preacher, your daddy may be a backslidden preacher, but that doesn't mean you have to backslide. Nobody else in your family may be serving God, but that doesn't mean you can't serve God. I come against that ancestral curse tonight. You may not even have ever vocalized it. You may not have ever even verbalized it. But the Holy Ghost has been dealing with me strongly about preaching to you this, this, to you this tonight. And that if somehow, tonight, or during this conference, that cord of ancestral curse that holds you to your old life, you don't owe your sinner family anything. Go on and be blessed. You don't have to go to hell to prove to them you love them. You don't have to drink beer with them to show them you love them. You don't have to take drugs with them to show them you love them. In the name of Jesus, break that ancestral curse. the ones that talk about you and it swings from one extreme to the other they say oh now since you're in that church and think you're some kind of preacher you're too goody for all of us right yeah now you got that nice house got that good car and uh, and now you think you're too good for all of us and they sit on the fence like a bunch of buzzards waiting to pick your carcass 
when you backslide. And they were waiting on John on the Isle of Patmos. But John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I'm breaking that curse. You may be seated. I've come to get you tonight, brother. I've come to get you. I've come to get you. I've come to drag you out of that thing. You don't have to be limited by it. I don't care who your daddy was. I don't care who your mother was. You say it's just my family tree. Let me tell you, Calvary's tree is greater than your family tree. You evidently have forgotten if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Do you know what we do with the passed away? Every preacher here knows what you do with the passed away. You bury it. You bury it. Come on and bury what passed away in your life. You got a new mother, but Jerusalem, which is above. Here's the mother of us all. Don't come here telling me about how bad your mother was. But oh, you just don't know how bad my mother was. Don't you know when you got born again, you got a new mother? Well, you don't understand my father and how he treated me. Beloved. Now, are we the sons of God? When you got born again, you didn't just get a new mother. You got a new father. And he's not a child molester. And he's not a deadbeat dead. And he's not a forsaker. He's a preserver. He's a provider. He's a protector. If I can cut this cord tonight, somebody's going to get a new preacher when they get home. If I can cut that cord tonight, some preacher's going to get a new preacher's wife.
You see, that assault is the stigma of the supernatural. But there is an anointing in this house that is here to heal the brokenhearted. Not just saints have broken hearts. Preachers have broken hearts. And the Holy Ghost is going to blanket this place so strong until you're going to feel like it's just you and God and you're not going to be ashamed to respond to the word of the Lord. The anointing heals broken hearts. The anointing delivers captives. The anointing brings the recovering of sight. The anointing sets at liberty them that are bruised. Which makes me to believe that liberty must come to the bruised because past bruises become present bondage. Pains of the past become prisons in the present. But the anointed word liberates. When a man is in the woods, or should he be, and he's bitten by a poisonous serpent, he has one of two choices. He can either be so angry and vehemently filled with revenge that he runs through the woods, catches that serpent, and does whatever it takes to kill him in murderous revenge. And while he is doing so, he is killing himself because the poison is racing through him. The best thing he can do is calmly, cruelly, collectively make his way to a physician and get the bite taken care of. Don't dedicate your life to chasing snakes that have bitten you. You may catch him, and you may kill him, but you'll die too. Instead, lift your hands to the great physician and let him heal you. Here's what's happening. Let me hurry on. What's happening is, see, you stepped out of line with your heritage, stepped out of line with your tradition, stepped out of line with the rest of your family because you've got a supernatural work of God in your life. Zacharias' relatives struggled with a miracle boy. They said, surely his name's going to be Zacharias, named after his father. Let's keep the tradition here. Let's stay with the family tradition. 
Now, you need, some of you need to do more nod at me because every day you wake up, you have to push that tradition off of you to even get out of bed. They said his name shall be called Zacharias right after his father. The mother said, no, no, no. No. His name is not Zacharias. His name is John. They said, wait a minute. None of thy kindred are called by that name. There's not a man named John in your family. There is now. You know what the name John means? The Lord is gracious. The Lord, the Lord is gracious. Don't apologize for the grace of God in your life. Don't feel bad about the grace of God in your life. Luke 16, 16. The law. Man, this verse has been burning in me. And I'm not even going to preach about it. just going to run over a little bit here. Somebody needs to study this thing. Here's a minute. The law and the prophets were until John. And since that time. I don't know what John did that was so revolutionary. <laughs> but after John came, it was never the same. And that's what God's wanting to do with you and your family. That's what God's wanting to do with you and your church. That's what God's wanting to do with you and your city. So that somebody will say, when did this miracle start? And they run it back. And they say, and since the time of John, it's been different. What I'm preaching is, you can make a difference. You're destined to make a difference. Stand up and turn us around to somebody and say, you're going to make a difference. But hear me right now. It takes different men. It takes different men to make a difference. You may be seated. I hasten. And Jacob, Genesis 37:1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger. In the land of Canaan. 
God has chosen you to go places that probably a lot of your family will never go. I'm preaching about your biological family, your genetic system, your cousins, your uncles, and your aunts that are not in the kingdom of God. God has chosen you to go places, see things, have things, be a part of things that some of your fathers were strangers to. And you're going to live there. I want to tell you, it is the day of the unusual. It is the hour of the unprecedented. We are not striving to repeat history. We are challenged to make history. And we struggle to be average. We fight to be normal. We grope to be comparable. We desire to be similar. Part of the pack. Par for the course. But God chose Mary. And said, Mary, I want you to step out of the dimension of the normal. Out of the dimension of the equal, the average, and the usual. And Mary, I want you to share with me in something that has never happened before. And Mary, it will never happen again. It's easy for you to look at others who are a little ahead of you and say, I believe I can have that. It's easy to look behind you and see what others have done and say, I believe if he did it there, he can do it here. But the challenge to the apostolic Pentecostals is in the person of Mary. Can you believe me? For what never has happened and what never will be done again. I believe God has come to because of the times to reveal to us what he is doing and what he is going to do. Things are happening now that have never happened before. Have we ever seen over 700 get the Holy Ghost at a general conference? Well, not everybody out there at once. It might hurt my ears. Has it ever happened before? You see, you're sitting there scared to death. You're afraid to say no. But God's going to look for some Marys. God's looking at the cause of the time and saying, listen, 
I'm not going to challenge you to do what somebody else has done. I'm not, hey, he's not even challenging us to repeat the book of Acts. He's challenging us to be a part of what never has happened and what never will happen again. visited her and I keynoted these words today in my further study because Mary had to remember this Mary you're favored and you're blessed you're favored and you're blessed don't forget what I'm telling you Mary don't forget you're favored and you're blessed you're favored and you're blessed Mary you're going to bring a son into this world his name is going to be Jesus. He's going to be God manifested in the flesh. Mary, you're fixing to bring something into this world that's going to walk on water. You're fixing to unleash something on this world that's going to cause lepers to come home. You're fixing to admit into our world something that's going to turn water into wine. Something that's going to stop and cause a boy to go back home with his mother. You're favored. You're blessed. You're favored. You're blessed. You're favored. You're blessed. And Mary said, I just got one question. How can this be? Seeing that I know not a man. And I want to preach to some young preachers right now. You hear about miracle revival. You hear about supernatural work of God. And your answer is, and question to God, how can this be? Seeing I know not a man. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody. My daddy's not the superintendent. My uncle's not the presbyter. Nobody's ever heard of my name. I don't have a family tree in Pentecost. I don't have a heritage. How can this be, seeing I know not a man? The power of the highest shall overshadow me. The power. The power. The power. The power. Something's going to come on you, Mary, like you've never felt before. No man's going to have anything to do with this. This is not what man can do. This is what I can do. This is what I can do.
organization is not producing this revival. Platforms are not producing this revival. Methods are not producing this revival. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Quickly move to conclusion. Mary, before you answer, think about it. Before you answer, think about it, Mary. Because, Mary, you'll have no peer groups. Mary, you'll have no support groups. Mary, you'll have no one that can say, I know how you feel. Are you ready to go, Mary? I know you want the supernatural, but Mary, there's a stigma that comes with this. Because when you try to explain it to Joseph, he'll never understand this. You're engaged, you're a virgin. And you're with child. Explain that. That's all right. That's what God's got angels for. And God said, no man can handle that. Go down there and tell him I said it's all right. <laughs> Go ahead and marry that miracle. I'll take care of it. Don't be afraid of it. Go ahead and marry it. first it's very difficult to be unusual there's a stigma that goes with it ask Joseph he had dreams and he had a coat nobody had dreams nobody had a coat and nobody understood him Joseph, the angel of the Lord appeared to me and Holy Ghost came on me. Do you understand that, Joseph? Yes, I understand because an angel visited me. Now, Mary, come on, I'm getting you out of here. I love you. I care for you. And Joseph, being a just man, thought to put her away privately. 
I'll hide you till this is over. You see, when the supernatural comes, there's a stigma that you got to accept with the supernatural. And it is not God's will to hide the miracle. Mary, in a little bit, you're going to start showing. You're not going to be able to keep this quiet. It ain't going to be long. You're going to have to get you a new wardrobe. And Joseph said, I'll hide you. I'll hide you. I believe it. I'll accept it. He talked to me too. But they'll never believe it. They'll never believe it. And because I love you so much, I'm going to take you somewhere and put you away privately until all this is over. And God said, I'm sending an angel, and I don't want you to put her away. I want her to walk down the streets and let everybody know I did that. God said, I want everybody to see my miracle. Pentecostals, thank God for the supernatural, but don't hide the stigma. When she said, yes, let it be unto me according to thy word, she exposed herself to unmatched harassment, misunderstanding, ridicule, jealousy. She became the object of scorn, disdain, gossip, sneers, jeers, rejection, isolation. But ask Mary about it. He... That is mighty. Have done unto me great things. And holy is his name. It is no time for this church to be ashamed of the stigma. We're one God apostolic Jesus name Pentecostals. And it's no time to be ashamed. Remain standing. I'll quickly close. The pressure upon Mary and the pressure upon us is this. Why not just be normal? I'm sure Joseph thought of all the women in the world. Why couldn't I marry a normal woman? You know what our young people are struggling with in the 90s? A pressure to be normal. A pressure to be normal. They just want to go to school and just fit in and be normal. They want to go down to the park and places and just be normal. And the world screams at the apostolic church, 
Why don't you just be normal? Live normal lives. Have normal church. Preach normal sermons. Live normal lives. But it's hard to be normal when you've got a miracle in you. It's hard to be normal when you've got a miracle in you. It is absolutely no mistake, coincidence, or just something that happened. That Mary pulled the trigger that inaugurated the miracle ministry of Jesus. After 30 years of humiliation, 30 years of drawing water at the well and the other women whispering when she walked by. 30 years of cold shoulder treatment. 30 years of hard glaring looks. 30 years of her character being in suspect and question. She said they have no wife. He said, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. I believe she said it like this. Tears streaming down her cheeks. You hear me, Jesus? It's over. You hear me? It's over. Servants, I know what that angel told me. And whatever he says to you, you do it. I say it's miracle time. And I don't know if he was ready or not, but he did it. I don't even know if he wanted to or not, but he did it. He could not resist that revelation. He could not resist that stigma. You've been faithful to me. You've been laughed at. You've been ridiculed. You've been rotten egg. You've been tormented. But you've been faithful. That's why more people are getting the Holy Ghost tonight in the United Pentecostal Church than ever. We have sustained the stigma of the supernatural. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it.